0: How are you all? Everyone good? That's good. All right. Can we pray together and then we'll uh, start up. Dear Lord, we thank you for the time that we can spend together. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that you would like to say something to us. And we just pray that you would. um, And we would like to be more like you. So help us um, listen and respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, So, uh, today the brief was life-changing scripture, something that, uh, you know, changes, you know, a scripture that has changed your life. Um, and I'm going to read you a scripture that I actually read um, in, on my wedding day uh, when we got married. Um, and this scripture has kept coming back over the years, um, uh, like has meant new things and kind of um, become more and more important in different ways. So I hope that's nice. And then we will I will hopefully keep it to 20-ish minutes so that we can have a proper conversation together afterwards. got some questions for you guys um, to ponder and to discuss. So the scripture that we're going to read is 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read two chunks of it. The first chunk is going to start from verse 7. So pull it up if you've got a Bible. So today, uh, uh, love is the topic, um, uh, which is why I spoke about it on wedding day. Um, I kind of wish I didn't, to be honest, because I felt like I was preaching. And uh, in hindsight, I kind of wish I didn't do that on my wedding day. But anyway, (laughs) but uh, but, um, you know, you know, you know me, guys, I can't help but uh, take 40 minutes of your time. And uh, anyway, so but love Um, and and in particular, um, what it looks like to love God and what it looks like to be loved by God and what it looks like to love others because God loves us. Um, and it's very powerful, um, and I hope you feel that way too as we read it. So I'm just going to read the first chunk, which is verses 7 to 12, and then we're going to break it down, and then we'll read the second chunk. So the first uh, chunk from verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, uh, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Okay, so uh, some very famous uh, t- like taglines from this passage, and-, and from the next passage we're going to read as well. Um, I love the way it starts. And by the way, there's a lot of love here. Like you just get, it's the word of the day. Um, someone tally it up. Um, if you can count all the times we say love today and read it, um, John will organize a prize for you. I don't know what it is. Sorry, John, that I put you on the spot. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, love. We're going we're gonna to hear that word a lot. Um, I love the way it starts. Beloved, let us love. In the Greek, it literally, well, I'm going to try to say it and it's going to be a huge fail, but agabatoi, um, agabomen, which literally means those who are loved, let us love. Uh, and the, the, the word, and I'm sorry, if you're a Christian and you've kind of studied the Bible, this is going to be kind of like roll your eye moment, but agape, the word agape, um, agape, actually, because I know a lot of you have been to church for a long period of time. What does agape mean? Love. Right. It means love. What, is it a special type of Love. Okay, can you tell me what kind of love it is? (laughs) You don't want to say any more than that? No, No. Huh? charitable. Exactly, charitable love. It's the only form of, so in English, you will say, I love pizza, I love my mother, I love my wife, I love my son, I love hanging out with you, I love rock music, whatever. You're just gonna say love as like a blanket term, right? Uh, That is not the case in other languages, particularly uh, Ancient Greek Um, agape there. There are a few words for love agape is the only word of love that means self-sacrificing charitable uh, um, Just like overpouring gracious love so you got eros which is romantic love um, which expects something right like I Desire you I expect Oh, I hope that my desire will be returned and that we will uh, become intimate you've got philia Which is uh, brotherly love or kind of like friendship love and that also requires reciprocation um, You've got uh, these other types of love but but agape is the only type of love of just there is no expectation other than I pour uh, love onto you um, uh, so agape toy men. Those who are loved, let us love. John starts off by saying, hey, you guys are agape. You guys are loved unconditionally, un- 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 uh, charitably, unrestrainedly, with no expectation. So do the same. It's a beautiful thing to say uh, that if you experience that kind of love, that's just going to come out of you. And uh, I hope you've all experienced that. I hope you've all experienced this moment Uh, or or moments in your life where you have just received just like unreserved love, unreserved acceptance and and grace, and it's just like made you like alive. And then you've wanted to kind of live up to that and live into that. So that's what John is saying here. That's how he starts. Um, And uh, then he says, uh, Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Have you ever thought about that before? That literally like one of the main defining characteristics of God is that not that he is loving, but that he is love. Have you ever thought about that? Like to love perfectly is to see God is what John is saying here and what he is unpacking. To love perfectly is to mirror the character of God and God that is his nature and in fact uh, you know we just went through the um, Covenant series and we looked at the Old Testament um, and how God revealed himself over time then we had a Q&A series about um, you know the, the character of God and we kind of really kind of dug into comparing him in the Old Testament compared to the new um, this is a continuous thing he is the God who is merciful uh, um, slow to anger, rich in mercy, uh, he he does not wish uh, to to you know harm people, um, but he is just, and his justice is also an attribute of his love. Everything you see in God is through the lens of his love, uh, and if you do not see that, that's the claim here, and that's the way that God wants you to view him. Uh, God is love, says John, um, and. Uh, also, so that's the defining characteristic of God. That is therefore supposed to be the defining characteristic of His followers, right? So, uh, again, just rereading. Um, anyone who does not love does not know God um, uh, because God is love. So, the idea is that you and I, again, we've experienced this love, this agape love, this charitable love. We see it in Him, He has expressed it to us, it fills us. It renews our life, literally, like when you put your trust in Jesus, he will make you new um, by his Holy Spirit. And then all you want to do, or hopefully all you want to do, is be loved back, reflect his love back, um, and, and that be the defining characteristic. In fact, John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus, this is in the Last Supper, And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, uh, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Uh, Verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The defining characteristic Jesus has for his followers is that you love one another. That's how everyone around you will see these people are different. They love one another. Like agape love, like really, like they don't expect anything from each other. They really love each other. It comes out of every pore. You can't help it. And that's what he wants for his disciples, for his followers. So, and then he goes on by saying, um, uh, "In, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he, had, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So just get that out of the way, propitiation, like uh, replacement, like swap kind of thing um, uh, of our sin, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, so, okay, imagine, imagine you're hearing all this up until this point. You're like, but how did God love me? How did God love you? Like, I'm sitting here today, had a really rough week. Um, I am having this challenge in my life and and whatever. And like, so where's God's love? Well, there is one example you can always point to. Ooh, uh, Erica, lipstick. Sorry. Erica Lipstick, we're on to you. Um, <laughs> this one example, this one example um, does not change. And that is that. Or this one example, this the key example, the example that means that you can trust future uh, iterations of God's love, which is that he sent his son to die. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how you feel temporarily, no matter how distant God feels to you, um, he sent his son to die for you. That is the evidence of God's love. And it's not supposed to be the only evidence of God's love. May I say that? Okay? So, so many of us we will just, uh, bless you, Josh. So many of us will will kind of like go through our life as Christians and we'll hear sermons about, God loves you, he died on the cross for you, go on. And we're supposed to like take that as if like, I'm just supposed to be happy with that for the rest of my life. No, you're not supposed to be happy with that. That you're supposed, you are supposed to be happy with that. You're supposed to be thrilled by that. It's supposed to change you. But it's also supposed to say, if God did that for me, if God would not let his very, if he would not give up his very life for me, well, how much more does he want to show me his love in the here and now, in the day to day, in the minute aspects of my life? I remember the day of our wedding, it was supposed to rain, uh, like, you know, the forecast a week before. And I was like, oh, That sucks. Oh, um, well, well, whatever. It's going to rain. And uh, my parent, well, I was talking to my parents about it, and they said, what do, you, what do you pray about it? Like, it's fine. You can pray about it if that bothers you. And then I was like, No, no what's God going to care about that? And I was like, Of course, God cares. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to have a great day. And I was like, All right, I'll pray, I guess. And I prayed. And guess what? It was a beautiful, sunny day. In fact, it was too hot. Um, <laughs> God was like, Mate, <laughs> You should have you believed. Anyway, um, so the whole thing, the whole thing is that God cares. God cares. And he cares, and you know he cares because there was a point in history you can always point to, a historical fact, which is that Jesus, who believed and spoke about him being the Son of God, came to earth, died on the cross, and in his mind what he was doing was that he was dying for you and me and for all those who had fallen short of God's glory, which, spoiler alert, is everyone. And then he was raised again on the third day, um, which is also uh, debatably but, but like, very strongly a historical fact. And that is your historical view, uh, cornerstone. And then from there you can kind of say, all right, God, well, if that's what the case is, well, I want more of your love. I want to experience it. And... Th- and beloved if god loved us if you can point to that moment in history if god loved me to that degree we also ought to love one another if look at actually look at the person next to you right now look at them really try to let it sink in really try to let it sink in that the person next to you god died for them god sacrificed for them really like try to like get that you know and then and then like that's the same for you hey if god died for them love them if you've been changed by god's love love them not love them self-seekingly because like if i'm a really good person and i really like people then they're gonna think i'm nice and i'm gonna you know oh and this this dude's got a connection here and so maybe i'll get this thing out of them or she's really cute so maybe i'll be in a relationship with her no, not self-seeking, agape, S- self-giving, sacrificial. Like, oh, you're having a hard time and you, you need me to help you. Um, but, oh, man, my week is so... Self-sacrifice, try, whatever way you can. Not saying walk all over your, you know, boundaries and, and your, you know, like w- what, it lives to, what it looks like to live a healthy life. But, but like be self-sacrificing, yeah? Um, that is that, like that's what John's saying. Like, what do you like? This is the paradigm that we live in. Um, and then this is the verse I shared uh, on our wedding day, verse twelve: No one has ever seen God. If we, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. I was really struck by that on the day of our wedding. Like, honestly, like I thought I was going to be struck by it, but then I really, genuinely was. The love I felt towards my wife. The love I felt from my wife, the love that I felt from everyone there celebrating with us and really wishing us well, like God was in the room. Like God was there because there was just an overpouring of self-sacrificial love all over the place. And even though we were naive and like didn't know what life was going to throw at us and nor did the people in the room and the challenges we faced, it was this moment of just Love, just love with no expectation other than just enjoying each other's company time um, and celebrating a moment where we devote our love to each other. So if you love like this, if you, if you let God's love penetrate you and really understand, really see what Jesus did on the cross for you, and, and then if you let it penetrate you enough to change you, and then you love others, guess what? God's in the room. God's in the room. And when God's in the room, uh, uh, he's in the room through our... Like, that's a claim here. Like, no one's ever, ever seen God. Like, this verse actually blows my mind. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. The word perfected means complete. It's made complete in us. So there's a sense of God's love actually... Uh, like being displayed uh, uh, through each other's love, but it's also that we mature, that like it comes to a completion. When we actually return the love that God gave us, that's what's supposed to happen. It's a complete uh, display of love. Does that make sense? Do you get what I'm saying there? So um, beautiful, right? Let's skip a few verses. Uh, We're going to go to verse 16. Okay. So another very famous passage. Um, we're going to read from verse 16 to 19. Again, we'll just grab, read it through and then we'll break it down. So, uh, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. In this way, love has been perfected among us. So there's a bunch of, I hope you're paying attention, there's a bunch of repeated phrases and repeated words. So in this way, love has been perfected among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. For in this world, we are just like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. This, if, you can, if, if we can get this and if we can internalize this and if we can live this, this is the confidence that you have. This is the hope that you have. This is the thing that will enable you to live a life that is free. Um, and uh, it all starts with John talking about coming to know, to believe, and then to abide in God's love. Um, the word know doesn't mean understand. The word know means to experience. Every one of us and me me primarily who tries to know, God is not happy with that level of engagement. He wants you to experience. And what does that look like? Well, that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. Um, but hopefully we can talk about it together. And in fact, that's one of my questions for you guys. Um, but to experience uh, God's love. And to believe, the, the, we, very, we, know, we all know what believe means, right? Okay, throw out some synonyms that you know of, of belief. That's a big F word, not a rude word. Mm-hmm. A good word that we use a lot in church. Faith. Yeah, faith, right? Uh, or um, the way I always like to put it, Trust. Because, again, faith is actually a relationship word. Um, to, f- to have faith means to trust. Um, so to experience God's love, to trust in God's love, to abide in God's love. You know, this is another pretty, like, this is not a common word that we use in our day-to-day lives. Um, abide. What, what does that strike? You know, you hear the word abide, what does that uh, hit you with in terms of meaning? Huh? Rules. Rules. Interesting, right? To abide, to keep, like a rule. Yeah. Well, actually, so yeah, absolutely. That's a very applicable use of the word. Um, but pay attention to how we translate it to like keep. To stay, to keep. That's what abide means. To like, to sit in, to dwell, to stay with. So to experience God's love, to trust in God's love, and to live in God's love. Um, John says that when we are presented with God's love, if you are going to follow Jesus, these are the three things you need to do with God's love. You need to experience it. You need to trust in it. So to experience it means that when you do not feel loved by God, because those moments and days will come, when you, when you do not feel it, you, you, Well, first of all, you have to trust it. You have to say, well, even though I don't feel it right now, I have faith. I trust that God, you promise. And that event happened in history where you came down, you died on the cross. I trust that you love me. That's one version of it. But here are all the other versions of it that I've seen in my life so far and I trust that it will come again in whatever way you want to manifest it and I want to experience it now. So not just I trust that it happened, that it, it has happened in the past and that it will happen in the future. I want to experience it right now. I want to know it now, God. That's, you, guess what? You're supposed to come with an expectation to God, you're not supposed to come with just like, yeah, here I am, whatever you do, that's fine, and off I go. I'm going to try my best to be the best person I can. Come with expectation. Every time you sit with God, which, by the way, He's with you all the time. Um, so, like, expect Him to. When you go to work, when you go to your study, your university, when you have a conversation with someone, when you're sitting alone, expect that God is trying to show you His love in some way or to. Ex- express His love to others um, and therefore, guess what? When you're expressing God's love to someone else, guess what you feel? You feel a touch of God's love as well, right? Expect. Expect to experience it. Do not live a life where you're just going to be like, hey, this is, uh, this, this is like, it'll come and it'll go and I can't expect it and, and whatever it is, what it is. No. Expect it. it. Want to experience it. Trust it, which we talked about. And then Abide in it. And this is the hardest one because they're like Satan's job is the enemy's job is to literally try to get you to not abide in God's love. Distraction, um, uh, sin, um, uh, a good thing that God has given you that you take too far, um, whatever it is, God's going to try uh, say, uh, the enemy and your, your inclination your natural inclination, this is what Paul talks about when he says the war of the flesh and, and, and the spirit. Your inclination is not to dwell in God's love, is not to abide in it. Your inclination is to run to everything else. That's what Adam and Eve did uh, in the garden. Like, God, you gave me this whole garden. You told me not to eat this the but I really want to run to it. And like, oh, this really looks good right now. And there's, there's a certain saying that it's actually not bad for me and blah, blah, blah. Your inclination is to not dwell with God. Um, and we need to actually fight that inclination. So whatever it is that pulls you away, that makes you distracted, that makes you stray, rebel against God, um, whatever, or the ambitions and the things in you that may be of God, but you have put it above him somehow, uh, that is not allowing you to dwell and stay in God's love, get rid of it. Find out what it is. Be ruthless in getting rid of it. Um, and and that's you can't do that alone. You must do that with both God and with others. Uh, this is the point of church. Um, and we've been here. I feel like we've been hearing about that a lot. And I hope it's really sinking in. The point of church, the point of community with other fellow Christians is to show each other love and therefore to help each other dwell in God's love. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so. Then in this way. Love has been perfected among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. For in this world, we are just like him. So then he kind of like throws this out of kind of left field, right? Um, uh, All of a sudden we just go, you you will be confident on the day of judgment. Like, whoa, okay. Oh, we've been talking about love and now you're going to talk to me about judgment. We so often want to separate these things. We so often want to kind of look at, um, uh, you know, God And say, yeah, he's loving, he's loving, he's loving. Let's just not talk about his judgment. There's new people in the room. Like, please just don't mention God's judgment. But John is saying, actually, you know what? God's judgment for those who love him is good news. And and guess what? Historically, for the Israelites in in Egypt being oppressed, God's judgment was good news. Um, The Israelites, when they were exiled from uh, Israel because they were unfaithful to God... God's judgment was good news because if God was faithful to his judgment, how much more faithful would he be to his mercy, his love, and his keeping his promises of of goodness, right? And that's what the book of Lamentations is about. So God's judgment is good news for those who love God. It's not bad news. And the reason why it's good news is because you're loved. You're loved by him. You're loved by him. What are you going to fear? He gave, he, he died for you. What, he died for you just so that he can, like, slam you down, smack you down, and, you know, in the future? No, he died for you so that you would have life. Um, and the judgment of God, again, if, if we're reading this in context and we're reading this in the grander picture of the Bible, um, God's judgment and justice is actually a display of his love. Um, so, um, but more, more than that as well, um, and that is that, um, where are we? Yeah, uh, that you're covered by him. That his, his love, when God looks at you, um, he doesn't actually see you and your sin and your problems. He sees, uh, he sees his son who, who atoned for your sins. So, um, and then uh, verse 18, which is our kind of like bumper sticker verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So, um, <clears throat> how many of you have experienced in your life. Um, I really don't want to say to God, God, you have my whole life because I don't want him to send me to like, Africa and be a missionary. Or God, I really don't want to say uh, whatever uni course you want for me because what if he like, wants me to like, do dentistry? No, I'm joking. You know. um, <laughs> what, what if he wants me to do uh, you know whatever? Like, I, I really don't want to trust God with um, this aspect of my life because like oh what if he's going to like do something guess what you're fearing some kind of like weird judgment uh um you're you you are not perfected in love if you've ever, and me too all right I'm, I'm speaking to the converted so the whole thing is what are you expecting from god like are you looking at him as the father who gives good gifts who literally did everything to kind of like be in your life and to to have you one back to him and all he desires of you is that you would adore him and love him back which is what it's a reasonable expectation when you're in love that's like what you hope to to have back from the person you love so totally legitimate thing that God wants back so um if that's if that's the way you view God why are you going to be afraid like what is it to fear Like, and if God does call you to Africa or he does want you to be a dentist or whatever he wants for your life, it's gonna be great. It's not to ruin your life. If God wants you to wait for that relationship, if God wants you to uh, miss out on that, job or that opportunity or that whatever, if God is calling you to give up some junk in your life that you feel like you can't do without this thing, God, but you don't understand. It's the only thing that if God's calling you to it, it's because he loves you. It's because it's the best thing for you. When my daughter wants a lollipop and I'm like, you have not eaten your dinner and, mate, you had too much sugar today, and you don't even brush your teeth properly at this age, <laughs> and I don't want you to see Freddie. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> then, then uh, I'm, I'm saying what I say, no, sweetheart, no lollipop right now, out of love. If God, There's is, this is a wonderful quote that a pastor at our church said one time. If God is a vending machine and he says no, he's broken. But if God is your loving father and he says no, he, he's doing his job. Like So, so trust him. What, what, are you, what are you afraid of? And where's that fear coming from? Why are you afraid? Um, and my, may I pose to you that the reason you're afraid is either because you're not experiencing God's love, you're not trusting in God's love, or you're not abiding in God's love. And so we must then check ourselves and say, where am I going wrong? Talk it out to other people who love God and whose love, uh, whose God, God's love can pour out onto us and then we come back, yeah? Okay. Um, and then uh, the last bit. Uh, so yeah, and the, the whole, again, I hope you notice noticed like the word perfected uh, coming back, completed, right? So if you fear God's love is not complete in you, it's not mature in you, it's not... Uh, coming to fruition in you right okay and then the final verse uh, of of our passage today we love because he first loved us Um, all of this everything we've just said even though i have kind of like said it's you got to do this and you got to do that at various points all of this is not on you we love because he first loved us like all of it originates and perpetuates Because of God. Um, He's the author and perfecter of your faith. All you need to do, look at his example, experience him, trust him, and sit, dwell, abide, stay with him. That's it. And then he does the rest. The deficiencies that you have, the things you can't let go of, the whatever, um, he will do the rest.